are listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about our physical spaces, but first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, friend? I am working on having people over to our house more often. Because we're a family of introverts, I think we really enjoy not making plans on the weekends and just having open time to be around the house. But I also really get a lot of joy from having friends over. And at this stage of life with young kids, that doesn't happen organically as often as I would like. Mm. And there needs to be a little more forethought put into it. So I am trying to have people over for dinner more often this weekend because as we're recording this, it's approaching Valentine's Day. I'm inviting families over to come decorate cookies at our house and just trying to make it a casual drop-in thing. Ooh, fun. But I would love advice from listeners about how to make it less stressful. Mm. This fits in with our episode pretty well because my physical space often doesn't feel ready to have people over. Mm -hmm. It's often quite untidy or unclean. But then it feels like such a barrier to feel like I need to do all of that before people can come over. I don't know how much of that is just letting go when people say, oh, we just invite people over just as it is. And it's like, you know... Even after I do all the things, my house isn't show-worthy. It's just things like having the bathroom be where I'm not embarrassed for people to go into it, (laughs) not having laundry strewn throughout the living room. I don't know if there's just some in-between level that I need to shoot for because after we recently had people over, it was a wonderful experience, but I just thought it can't be that much work. I need to find ways to make this simpler. Hmm. I read this great blog post that was about what they called scruffy hospitality. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is just work that you do within yourself to let go of it. And then also to trust that the people who are your friends and who love you aren't going to be like grossed out by your gross bathroom. Or if they are, (laughs) they love you enough to compensate for it. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there's maybe some mental work to do around that. But we'll share that link. Yes, I definitely will be reading that. I've also thought about just ordering pizzas and taking out the cooking aspect of it, Mm. that even cooking simple things, it's still a good amount of work and dishes and effort that goes into it. And Mm -hmm. so taking that piece off that maybe wiping down the bathroom sink and mirror would feel like less. Yes, if you weren't already cooking. Exactly. What's been new with you? I have a Play-Doh story to tell. We were previously a no Play-Doh household. I had done a Play-Doh ban in our home. Mm. That was when Plum was littler. I just felt so annoyed by it all the time. Like she couldn't even open the little lids herself. Those are a challenge. And then it was this big mess and the whole thing was so annoying. And I felt like it was so much effort for not that much independent playtime. But I have come full circle to Play-Doh. We had friends come in town this weekend to help celebrate Plum's birthday and they brought a Play-Doh gift. And I was like, perfect, we'll play with this while they're here with their kids. And actually, three kids, ages almost four to almost seven, played really well with it. Mm -hmm. That's another thing where when we have friends over with older kids, it's nice to have something that the older kids want to do as well because our house tends to skew a little younger because of Pepper. Mm -hmm. We can't have tiny Lego because he'll choke on them. So I try and have things that work, but this worked 
really well. And since then, Plum has played for at least an hour every day with the Play-Doh by herself. Mm. She sometimes still needs help opening it, but when she opens it, she just shows me things every now and then. I don't know if it was too that we didn't used to have as many tools, but they brought like a whole kit. Mm-hmm. And then she put it away herself today. Perfect. I was just like, this is a game changer. I no longer hate Play-Doh. I love Play-Doh. Send me all the Play-Doh. You were telling me before we started that I should make homemade Play-Doh, which I think would probably be even easier to open because I could put in a big tub. Yes, it is so much better. It doesn't dry out as quickly. We just keep it in a big Ziploc bag so Mm. the kids can do it themselves. And then you just have a big chunk to work with as opposed to trying to work with these smaller containers of different colors. I highly recommend it. And I would imagine you could make it one color and then you wouldn't have the color mixing, which is not pleasing to the eye when everything is just brown. Yes. I'm here for it. Play-Doh all day, every day. (laughs) I love it. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Sarah, what is your latest read? I finished The Duchess War by Courtney Milan, which had been on my list for a long time. It is a straight-up romance. It follows Robert, who is a wealthy duke, and Minnie, who is a bookish woman with secrets in her past. <laughs> love it. It was delightful. I love Courtney Milan's romances in particular, as they are always very feminist in nature and mm-hmm. don't have a lot of the problematic gender roles that you find in many traditional romances. Totally. Both the characters were highly likable with real personalities and backgrounds. One thing I didn't like was that in one of the last scenes, the cheese was laid on real thick (laughs) to the point where I was cringing. But aside from that one scene, I really loved it. Would definitely recommend it to anybody looking for a quality romance. I'll definitely be reading the rest of the series. I think there's four As romances often come in a set like that, Mm -hmm. the minor characters in one become the major players in another. Yeah. So I think I'll finish it throughout the year when I'm in the mood for this type of book. Love it. What have you been reading? I just finished City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. This is a book I was really excited about reading, Mm -hmm. and it did not disappoint. This one spans the life of Vivian, who comes from a well-to-do family in upstate New York. She doesn't fit in in that world and so goes to live with her aunt in New York City. It's told in first person as a letter reflecting back on her life. Oh. I really love stories like this that span the life of a character while all the history and other characters come in and out around them. You know, so real historical events are happening. Mm -hmm. You get to also watch other characters that they interact with, even though they're not necessarily central. Just really compelling. I also liked how it was a good story, but not necessarily a happy ending with everything tied up in a bow. Mm -hmm. It's relatively happy in that she's content at the end, but it's not what you would imagine a romance happy ending type thing. Right. There were times where it was a little slow, but that didn't take away from it for me. I really zoomed through this. I started out listening to it and then I got it on my Kindle. And so then I could keep reading it because I don't like to listen at night because then I often fall asleep and then wake up and I'm like so much further in the audiobook. So I need to be awake and doing things while I'm listening. But I kept reading on my Kindle. I stayed up way too late. I ignored my kids the next day to finish reading it. So would recommend. This one is on my list and will hopefully be coming in later this month. Let's move on to our topic for today, our physical spaces. We'll start with an overview of the current places that we live. We bought our current home almost four years ago, and it is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath house that's around 1,500 square feet. 
It was built in the late 50s, so it has that typical mid-century ranch feel to it. Currently, our kids are sharing one of the bedrooms, and we have the other. There are also two dens, one of which used to be a bedroom, but when they did the addition, it closed off the window. So Mm. that's actually where I am recording now and where (laughs) we watch shows and also where guests stay when they come. The other den is in the back room and is very small, more like a glorified closet with windows that we call the workroom, but would more accurately be described as the junk room. (laughs) The main living space we use is connected to the dining area. And then we also have another living space that's part of the addition, but we don't really use it in the winter because it's very hard to heat. So for about four months of the year, we close that off and just use the original portion of the house. And then in the summer, it always feels amazing to open it up again. It gets great light. And that's where we keep a lot of the kids' toys and stuff back there. What does your physical space look like these days? As listeners know, we moved into a new house in December. So this is a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath house. It was built in 2019. So we are the first people to live in it. Mm-hmm. But it was built to fit into the surrounding neighborhood, which is mostly bungalow-type houses, so that's what it looks like. We have a big open area where we have our dining table, TV, couch, and chairs, and then our kitchen is completely open to that. So it's sort of one big rectangle. And then we're currently using our master bedroom as a playroom and the master closet as my recording studio. (laughs) And then Pepper actually sleeps in the playroom at night. Andrew and I sleep in one bedroom upstairs, and Plum sleeps in the other one. Eventually... The kids will share that room, but that just was not working with Pepper. Mm -hmm. So we'll get there soon. For each of us, this is the second house that our families have owned. Talk a little bit about your first house and what you learned going from first to second. One of the major things we learned was that the radius in which we wanted to live our lives was actually smaller than we initially thought. Mm. The first home we bought in Austin was at the very edge of what we considered a bikeable distance to the places we wanted to go Mm -hmm. and quickly realized after having HP that we really needed that radius to be much tighter to the point where we rented out the house we owned and moved into a rental closer in for our last year in Austin. Another thing that I learned was how important good light was. Mm. And that house, two of the bedrooms got excellent light, but the back half of the house where all of the living and dining and kitchen were and our bedroom, they faced the backyard, which was heavily wooded. Mm -hmm. And so it was beautiful to look out, but it made the house very dark. Yeah. And I did not anticipate how much that would affect my mood. And so when we were looking at houses in the future, having good light became a priority. What things did you think about differently going into your second home purchase? I think with our first home purchase, we got really emotional and like we wanted to do things in a hurry and like we felt like we had to. I think we were Mm -hmm. much more deliberate about this home purchase. Mm -hmm. I think we were better about the finances and knew more about sort of the upkeep of owning a house and went in with our eyes much wider open. Mm -hmm. We just bought a house because we wanted to last time. And I think this time we were much more deliberate about it. That's not really related to the physical space itself, but it does make being in the space feel much better because Mm. it feels like we were much more in control of the choice to be here. And so I think that, you know, aside from all of the physical aspects, makes it feel better (laughs) to be here. That makes sense. So when you were looking for a place to live, what were the non-negotiables? For us, location was everything. And along with that was having a place for our bikes 
that a lot of homes in older central neighborhoods don't have garages, including the house we ended up buying. But it does have a carport, and Neil ended up making and installing bike racks in the carport. So they aren't 100% protected from the weather, but they are safely secured and mostly protected. Awesome. On the opposite end of the spectrum, the things that we were very willing to compromise on were almost everything else. (laughs) We knew we didn't want to pay a premium for someone else's remodel Mm. because Neil likes to do a lot of that work himself, and we like to be in control of the money we're spending on that and exactly what it's going to look like. So we wanted an unrenovated home, not one that was falling apart or had major foundation issues, but in terms of just the aesthetics of the kitchen and bathrooms, for example. We knew that if it was in the right location, almost everything else we could change or fix or adjust to if need be. Yeah. That was the same for us. Location was really important. I mean, I've talked about how walkable our lives were in Carborough and how sad I felt to leave that behind. Yeah. So when we came to Birmingham, we drove around and sort of pinpointed basically three streets that <laughs> would be our top choices that would be still walkable, less hilly. Birmingham is so hilly, but I still wanted to be able to like take strollers places and walk Mm -hmm. places with my kids without us going straight up a hill. And so we were really lucky to end up where we were. We also went with a new house because we are, number one, not great at renovations. And because Alabama is a buyer beware state, which means that they don't have to disclose anything about a used house before you buy it. So People can, for instance, go through the whole process of putting in an offer on a home, doing a home inspection, Mm -hmm. finding something in the home inspection that is a deal breaker for them, whether it's foundation issues or mold or whatever, and then walk away from the deal based on that. But then, whereas in other states, the seller would then have to disclose those things that were found in the home inspection, Mm -hmm. here that's not the case. So we were looking at an established neighborhood where a lot of the houses are built in as early as the 20s, but sort of all the way up to like the 70s or 80s. There were a lot of things that coming from out of state we thought might not be found in a home inspection. And then Mm -hmm. we could really be stuck with really expensive repairs or with something that made the house unlivable. And so buying a new house gave us a peace of mind that, number one, we weren't going to have to do any renovation things right away. Mm -hmm. And number two, that there weren't probably going to be things that were big that were going to end up being really expensive that we would have to deal with down the line. Very interesting. I did not know that. So essentially, you're putting all of your eggs in the inspection basket, hoping that they find anything that's wrong. Yep. Because if they don't, then you are out of luck. You are on the hook to pay for it yourself. Noted. So what's working for you about your physical space right now, Sarah? When I was writing the outline, I had a really hard time coming up with an answer to this question, (laughs) which is strange because I don't dislike our home or our space. I think it is fine. It's not amazing. It's not my ideal, but it absolutely works for us. My favorite things about the house are having the back room for the kids to play in in the summer. It just gets really great light, looks out over our backyard, and is an enjoyable place to be. I also really love having a fenced-in backyard. That felt more essential when we first moved in and they were much younger. Mm -hmm. And now 
I trust them to stay on our property when they are outside, but it felt like such a game changer going from our rental that was on a busy street with no fence Mm. to coming here on a very quiet street with a fenced-in backyard. Another thing inside that I really love is our stone fireplace and big picture window in the living room. Mm -hmm. That makes that space feel very nice to be in. What's working for you? This is an awesome amount of space for us right now, but I also see real potential for it to grow with us really well as our kids need more of their own space and that kind of thing. And because it's new, there's basically nothing that's missing. Mm -hmm. We have great light most of the day in our living space. I like our neighborhood. I'm excited to get to know it even more as we're here more. Mm -hmm. So on the flip side, what is not working for you about your space? I don't love that both our full bath and our half bath are next to each other. The doors are right next to each other. It just feels very (laughs) strange that that half bath would be more useful if it was, for example, in the back room so that there was a space in both of the main parts of the house that Mm -hmm. you could use a toilet. (laughs) But that is not the case. I'd also love to have a garage. The carport mostly works for our bikes, as I said. But now that we electrified one of our bikes in the winter, I don't want to keep it outside. I don't think that's great for the battery. Mm. And so we've been bringing it into the back room, which is working for now. But so we'll talk about later with some potential changes down the line that would no longer work. And I'm not quite sure what we would do then. Hmm. For how we use the space, I wish the dining area was a little bit bigger so we could more easily have folks over. When we have a lot of people, we just cannot all fit around the dining room table. We don't have quite enough chairs. The dining room table isn't that big, and there isn't really space for it to expand in its current configuration. Mm -hmm. We do things like spread out to the living room and eat on the couches and on the floor, and it's fine, but isn't ideal. The last thing I'll say is that it is hard to find solitude and privacy, especially in the winter when we close off that back room. Mm. Our house is fairly small in that case, and you can easily hear everything people are saying throughout the house. So until our kids go to sleep, it feels like Neil and I can't have a private conversation. And now that they're going to sleep later, that feels more problematic than it did when they were younger and always asleep by seven. Mm -hmm. What is not working in your space? There are a few weird finished things, like why did the decorator of this house choose gold tone sconces in a room with stainless and iron already? I mean, just things like you were building a new house, you could have done it perfectly. And then, I mean, that may be a design choice that I am not designing enough to understand. (laughs) (laughs) But I just have some questions about things like that. Mm -hmm. There are also huge windows on the second floor that we basically will never be able to open from the bottom because they go down so low that kids or cats could then fall out. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't come out to a roof. It just drops down. Yeah. It's just a sheer side of the house. So why did they put windows that big there? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's even against code, which our inspector noted when we had our inspection. And so we had them put locks on there so that you can't open them. Mm -hmm. But still, we'll never be able to open those from the bottom. Thankfully, they're double hung. So Mm -hmm. we'll be able to open them from the top. But it's still such a strange choice. (laughs) In terms of using the space... I am surprised for how big our house is that it's still not great for guests. And I think Hmm. that's part of what you're talking about. The spaces are concentrated together. Right. So living area is one big open space. So there's not a lot of 
places if you needed like a little bit of time to yourself or to be on the phone or whatever. You can't get that separation from guests. I mean, I think that it will continue to work for our family, especially as we sort of make the divide and have the kids upstairs eventually and we'll move down to the master when they are ready for their own rooms and that Mm -hmm. that will work. But then we'll have even less space for people to come stay. So who knows about that? So along these lines of things that aren't working, are there things that you might change about your space? So we're in the midst of one renovation, which is the entryway and dining benches, which I have talked about on A Life Lately. Ah, yes. Expect an update at some point in 2020 when that's done. (laughs) Not close to being finished now. But I think that will make the entryway so much more usable and will solve some of the guest seating problems. Because I think when Mm -hmm. you have a bench on two sides of a table, you can just fit more people in than you can with chairs. Especially kids. Exactly. And then the other major renovation that we have in mind has to do with our back room. It is a very strange addition. It's one of those things like what you were describing where such interesting choices. (laughs) This is not (laughs) how we would have done it. But it is what it is. I think if we are going to be here long term, then we want to convert it from the den slash work slash junk room slash closet area Mm -hmm. into a master bedroom for us and then just have it be a smaller living area back there. Mm -hmm. Instead of right now, it's a really large open space because as the kids get older, we'll want them each to have their own bedroom eventually. So one of the kids would move into our bedroom and then we'd move back there. And I think that would solve some of the privacy issues and just feel like we could stay here long term as opposed to feeling like we might need to move in a few years. Mm -hmm. Feels like such a big undertaking to just think through all of that. And Mm -hmm. some things with how that addition was built, I think, are going to make it very complicated. And Neil likes to do a lot of that, but he also has a full-time job. And so just thinking through how long do we want to be in construction back there or do we want to pay people and that whole process of hiring a contractor feels really overwhelming to me. Totally. So it's on my list and it's high on my list in terms of what I feel like we need, but not high enough for me to take any action at the moment. (laughs) Totally fair. What future visions do you have for your house? I would love to screen the back porch. It's actually set up to where we could do it relatively easily. And by we, I mean pay someone. (laughs) That's who we are. It will also be awesome to add a fence to make the outdoor space more usable with little kids. Mm -hmm. And then do some landscaping and maybe eventually paint. Right now we have the builder beige walls, yes, which is fine. It's a blank slate. It works well enough for now. But I can see getting excited about color in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we all have things that we could actually see potentially doing, even if we're not sure whether they'll really happen. Mm -hmm. But then there are things that we would totally change about the house, but actually probably won't ever do it. What are yours like that? Mine is our kitchen. It's very beige everywhere. It's a 90s remodel, beige linoleum, beige counters, tan cabinets, beige walls. It's just not what I would have chosen. I think last year I had talked about potentially painting the walls, which I think will make a really big difference in there. And that still Mm. is on my list, along with putting in some pantry type shelves along one wall. But I have dreams of redoing the whole thing and getting Mm -hmm. really beautiful wood cabinets and stone countertops and a new sink and new appliances. But the reality is our kitchen works just fine. And kitchen remodels are really expensive. Yep. And I just don't see us prioritizing that anytime soon, even if when I watch 
home design shows, I feel like I should. (laughs) How about for you? So when we bought this house, we really thought about putting in an accessory dwelling unit in the backyard. So Something that we could use for guests to stay in, that could be hangout space when our kids are older, that could serve almost like a second living area, Mm -hmm. something that we might even be able to Airbnb and make a little money. Mm -hmm. But thinking about that now, actually being here and living in the house, it feels like so much. Like you Mm -hmm. said, it is a lot of money and time and investment in that process that may not make sense if we're not here forever. And it's hard to know since we're still so new here, right? whether this feels like a place that we can stay forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do we really want to spend that much money and time and effort when the house works really well for our family? And that would just be extra. So I love the idea still. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not sure if it were, if it will ever happen. Time will tell. Time will tell. So what are little things that affect the way you feel in your space, both the positive and the negative things? Positive for me are houseplants. Oh, yes. I got many houseplants this time last year, and I'm planning on doing another big investment in the houseplant (laughs) world coming soon. Some of the plants survived, some did not. So I feel like I'm learning about which ones will be a good fit in our home. But they just make me so happy. Just seeing the plants brings me a lot of joy, especially during these dreary winter months, even if I am not the best plant keeper aliver out there. (laughs) Another positive thing is just when all the surfaces are clear and things are picked up. I love being in my home when it's like that. Mm -hmm. We do not have a designer home by any stretch of the imagination, but when I walk in and things are picked up, it just feels so, so nice. And I would say that happens somewhat frequently throughout the week, but it's very fleeting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem that we can keep it for more than a few hours before it devolves back into just us living our lives there. That involves a lot of stuff in and out and around. And that for me is the negative, all the clutter, all the kids stuff, just so many things, so hard to corral them. I have many aspirations, but I'm also trying to just accept the status quo and not let it affect me as negatively as it does Mm -hmm. when I don't feel like anyone in the family is really going to be able to maintain that. So trying to find that right balance there of having it be picked up, but then also letting it go. It's a really tough one when you see how good it feels. Mm -hmm. And yet it's so hard to keep it going. It is. The things that affect the way I feel in my space are my general mood, (laughs) whether my kids are sleeping, Mm -hmm. and like you said, how clean it is. Mm I mean, if I am feeling down on a space and then clean it up, I usually feel better. But there's so much inertia around just letting it be cluttered and grubby (laughs) that it can be really hard to overcome. I will say I also love plants. I have a plan to get plants in our kitchen. We have open shelving, which I don't want to put like actual kitchen stuff on because I don't really want to dust it. (laughs) But I feel like plants could be a really nice pop of color and some life for the space. It would also be really good in terms of our cats not being able to get to them. Mm. So where the shelves are in the kitchen, the cats aren't probably getting up that high. Nice. I did say goodbye to all my plants in North Carolina before we moved because I couldn't figure out the logistics of getting them into the car with two children 
my spouse, two cats, and all the stuff we needed for like a week of living. Yes, (laughs) that's a lot. And it was winter, so it's not even like the plants could be in temperate climate just hanging out in the car. It was like we were going to have to bring them into a hotel or whatever. It just felt like a nightmare. And so (laughs) I buy nothing to them all, and I need to start rebuilding my collection. So that's my plan. And also, for Plum's birthday this weekend, we just got these little prisms that you hang in the window Mm -hmm. that make rainbows around the house. Mm. And I am obsessed with them. I just ordered more. So they are a little thing that is making a huge difference for how I'm enjoying my space. Mm, I love that. I will be looking at that link. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to finish by zooming out to our big physical space dream. So maybe these are things that will happen in this house, but maybe they aren't. So let's just talk about our physical space aspirations in general. Beautiful light is the number one for me. I feel that many rooms in our house get good light, and I talked about how important that was when we were looking for a home. I think that part of the problem is the winter is just so gray here. Mm. You can have all the windows, but if it's really gray outside, your house still feels dark. Yeah. I would just love to have more spaces that felt like they were getting great light more of the year. Mm -hmm. I would also love to have more space to hang out in the kitchen. For example, having an island that people Mm. could sit at and help prepare things, do homework, hang out. Yeah. And our current setup doesn't allow for that. And along those same lines, as I said, I'd like to have a bigger dining room table and just have it feel easier and more comfortable to have people over. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been a barrier to me inviting people over, but just it does feel a little makeshift. And it would be nice to just, here's the big table where we can all sit. (laughs) And have it feel really easy. Yes, exactly. Lots of these things, because as you know, I'm always going back and forth about potentially buying a different house and selling this one. Mm -hmm. And I... I always ask myself, would that make me happier? Would I be happier in that other space? And I really struggle with the answer to that because I think it's rarely a definitive yes. If I were building a house from the ground up, the house we're in right now would not be it. But we have wonderful neighbors. We live where we can bike and walk everywhere we want to go. We have an affordable mortgage. And I'm just not sure that having all of my ideal things and having a nicer place would truly bring me more happiness. Mm-hmm. So for now, I might just be buying a lot more houseplants to put in our current space. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Bring myself some joy that way. What are your big dreams? So I've always wanted a screened porch, and I feel so lucky that it seems like that might actually happen here where we are mm-hmm. with some expense, but what feels like reasonable expense. Mm-hmm. I also have huge dreams about outdoor space. Mm. I love that show on Netflix, Big Dreams, Small Spaces, and it's about people doing gardens. Oh. It's basically like a home show, but for people in England and their gardens. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, they have all kinds of budgets and the master gardener of England, Monty Don, comes in and helps them. And I just want him to come help me make an English garden in my backyard. Yeah. And I want to have all the levels and colors and smells of plants. And I want to have not very much grass to mow, but just enough so that the kids can play. And I want to have really cool natural playscapes happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some of that is attainable, but I'm not sure whether I have the talent or the finances to really make it happen. (laughs) I haven't done a lot of landscaping and gardening and stuff in the past. 
And so it remains to be seen how that will work. But I just love the English cottage garden is like my dream amazing mm-hmm. thing and having it pollinator friendly and just look really beautiful, but kind of maintain itself. I think this is maybe not even possible <laughs> ever, <laughs> but if it could happen, it would be amazing. <laughs> Agreed. Okay, we'll wrap up this episode by talking about what we've been eating lately. I want to share about a meal that my dad made us this weekend. He has always made gumbo in my life, and I remember very distinctly the smell of roux cooking when I was little, and I hated it then. But as I've gotten older, I've started to crave those like more complex flavors. And so my dad made roux at home, brought it in a little frozen Ziploc bag, Mm -hmm. and then got all the stuff, the veggies and the meats and made us gumbo. And we ate it on Saturday, which was really gray and rainy here. And it was just totally perfect. Sounds great. And it was made by him rather than me, which was also awesome. Even better. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been eating, friend? So at the library, I picked up a cookbook that is Indian Instant Pot Dishes. Ooh, interesting. So I was browsing through that and getting some inspiration and attempted to make aloo gobi, which is potatoes and cauliflower, Mm -hmm. this past week. I actually ended up using a recipe from online that I'll link to because the cookbook itself didn't have that and I was just really wanting aloo gobi. Mm -hmm. The outcome was fairly mediocre, but I (laughs) think it is my own fault, of course, (laughs) Okay, in that I don't think I had the exact right spices Mm. that I was making do. There was a very specific kind of chili powder that I didn't procure before attempting this. Got it. And then things like toasting the cumin seeds Mm. first as opposed to just putting in cumin and things like that. So the flavor profile was not right, but I am planning to go to an international market and try and get some of the more specific things and try again because I think it would be wonderful to have a few dishes in my back pocket when we're craving takeout, but Mm. being able to make something simple in the Instant Pot. If listeners have successfully done that, let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, I am always so inspired by trying things like that. And then when they come out mediocre, it's so disappointing. You're like, I should have just bought the takeout. (laughs) Yes. But it's a worthy goal to reach for. Yes. I feel like solid first attempt. I'm going to keep going. Can't wait to hear about it. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't left a review for us, wherever you listen to podcasts, we would love it if you would do that to help other people find the show. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.